told you, I told you we were going to start getting a handle on all of this. Charge complaints or complaints filed with the FMC, the Federal Maritime Commission, for charges contrary to identified sections of the Shipping Act. They now have a mechanism for filing and for recourse. I'll break it down. Hi, welcome to By Land and By Sea, an attorney breaking down the week in supply chain, presented by the Maritime Professor, me. I'm Lauren Began, founder of the Maritime Professor and Squall Strategies, and I'm your favorite maritime attorney. Join me every week as we walk through both ocean transport and surface transport topics in the wild world of supply chain. As always, the guidance here is general and for educational purposes only. It should not be construed to be legal advice, and there is no attorney-client privilege created by this video. If you need an attorney, contact an attorney. So before we get into the discussion of the day, let's go through my top three stories of the week. <laughs> so story number one, By Land and By Sea is a podcast. I've mentioned it before. I'm mentioning it again. Now you can listen to all of this great content on demand. You can find it actually wherever you get your podcast. So if you already are a podcast listener, go find it wherever you, you pull those. If you're not, you can go to Spotify. You can go to Apple. You can go to, oh gosh, anywhere really. There's actually a web link. I'm going to put it in the notes on show notes today. Um, you can just get it directly from the website. You can listen to podcasts while you drive to the beach, commute to work, make dinner, sit in the camp pickup line, do laundry, whatever you do, whenever you listen to your podcast, add this one to the rotation. Uh, you know, I also reference my old shows quite a bit. You can go download those old shows and get up to speed on pretty much all the big topics that have happened and continue to get in the world and learn the world of the wild world of supply chain, global supply chain and global ocean shipping. Um, you know, I've had such dense topics recently that I've had episodes go past 30 minutes, even closer to 45 minutes. I really try to keep it to the 30 minute mark. But look, if you go to the podcast link, you can speed me up and get all that great content even faster. Go check it out. <laughs> so story number two, Prime Day this week was this week. Prime, Amazon Prime, Prime Day. And boy, oh boy, did people buy stuff. So Andrew, Andy Jassy, CEO and president of Amazon, noted that over 300 million plus items were sold. 300 million plus items were sold. And over $1.7 billion was saved by Prime members. That's not even the purchases. That's just the savings from participating in Prime Day. So Zachary Rogers made an interesting point on LinkedIn. He's an assistant professor at Colorado State University. He mentioned that the population of the U.S. is 332 million. So the sales were 300 million and the population of the U.S. is 332 million. He, he notes that's just under one item per person. Holy cow. So Zachary also notes that most all of these items will be delivered by the end of the week, as is promised through Amazon Prime. That's two day shipping for the most part. And he also notes that 10 to 20 percent of them actually usually get returned by the end of the month. That's interesting. Um, you know, CNBC has some great videos that they put out. One of those is what happens to Amazon Prime returns or Amazon returns in general. It's a really interesting video. But so Zachary goes on and makes a really great point to say, look, it's easy and somewhat fashionable to blame supply chains for the world problems. But sometimes I think we need to step back and admire the amazing things supply chains are accomplishing, end quote. I agree. I 100% agree. There's certainly updates and upgrades and improvements, but man, oh man, is this one area that is almost beyond belief. This is crazy. So Zachary, I really appreciate your post and, and you know, wow, Amazon Prime, they, this was a big week. I mean, all of these things that are happening in the world, we have inflation, we have supply chain crunches, but Amazon Prime still shines. So story number three, 
the FMC released an industry advisory on how to file charge complaints. And that's actually the topic of the day. Yesterday, July 14th, the FMC outlined what charge complaints are and how to actually file a charge complaint. All right, so let's do it. Let's get into the meat and potatoes of the day. So the Ocean Shipping Reform Act of 2022, so just passed, changed a few key items. And I've talked about how, you know, I don't think it went far enough when giving the FMC authorities with respect to the ocean carriers and their alliance filings, but it did do a few really good things. And one of those things is charge complaints. So let's quickly go over the history of OSRA 22, Ocean Shipping Reform Act, just called OSRA, OSRA 22. Uh, we covered this in more detail a few weeks ago. Go check out the podcast by Land and by Sea. You can go find this um, overview of OSRA 22. But here's a refresher. So Ocean Shipping Reform Act of 22 was passed by the Senate, then sent to and passed by the House of Representatives. The House and the Senate both had their own versions. The Senate version won out and then was sent over to the House so that they could pass the same clean version. Then once those two versions were the exact same, the bill went up to President Biden and he signed OSRA 22 on June 16th and it became a law. So since June 16th, this has been a law. And, you know, right off the bat, it tackled information required on D&D invoices, detention and demerge invoices. There was a little question on whether it does it right away, but yeah, it does. So the billing practices. So this is what was covered. So now on all invoices for detention and demerge, they have to include date the container is made available, the port of discharge, the container number or numbers. For exported shipments, the earliest return date, the allowed free time in days, the start date of free time, the end end date of free time, the applicable detention or demerge rule on which the daily rate is based, the applicable rate or rates per the applicable rule. Gosh, this is all getting a little legalese. Basically, what's the rule and which one are they pointed to on the invoice? The total amount due, the email, telephone number, or other appropriate contact information in case you want to dispute it or mitigate the fees, a statement that the charges are consistent with any FMC rules with respect to detention and demerge. That one's interesting. That one is that clause. I think that's probably if there's going to be invoices out there that don't comply, that might be the biggest one to have that statement on there. Um, And also a statement that the common carrier's performance did not cause or contribute to the underlying invoice charges. That last statement, I don't know. It's not always the common carrier that's issuing the invoice. So to have a non-common carrier have to write that statement that the common carrier's performance did not cause or contribute to the underlying invoice charges, I I don't know. That one might get cleaned up over time. So the FMC put out an advisory opinion right away from the general counsel saying, yep, look, it's effective immediately. Make sure you're doing it. There was a little, you know, question, I guess, in the industry, like, Okay, so do we have to do this right away? I mean, our invoice is now defunct if they don't have all of this stuff. The FMC basically came out and said, yeah, yeah, if if this isn't on there, that might not be a valid uh, invoice. So now the FMC, the Federal Maritime Commission, is systematically moving through the rest of the directives that they got from OSRA 22. And the next thing up on on the list is they're clearing up charge complaints. So yesterday, July 14th, the FMC released an industry advisory calling it just interim guidance, which to me suggests that maybe there might be a rulemaking or maybe there might be a more formal um, process introduced later. Um, But for now, this is the interim guidance for parties wishing to dispute charges assessed by common carriers, which like we said, is now known as charge complaints. So what are charge complaints? So, and and that's what they're using. It's a, it's a term of art. It's charge complaints. Um, So charge complaints are a new creation of the Ocean Shipping Reform Act of 2022, and they're now codified. So they're now put into actual law. They're in the statute in the U.S. Code. They're at 46 U.S.C. Section 41310. So if you want, you can Google that in. 
46 USC section 41310. So what does the statute say? So what does 41310 say? So in general, a person may, and this is charge complaint, the whole section is called charge complaint. So in general, a person may submit to the FMC or the commission and the commission shall accept information concerning complaints about charges assessed by a common carrier. The information submitted to the commission shall include the bill of lading numbers and invoices and may include any other relevant information. So it doesn't really explain what they are, right? I mean, so essentially filed charge complaints initiate law enforcement investigations by the FMC that can result in a refund of any money paid. So I'm going to say that again. So this is what they are. Filed charge complaints initiate a law enforcement investigation by the FMC. So this law enforcement investigation can result in a refund of any money paid. So if the charge is found to not comply with, you know, here's where they talk about where it can't, where it doesn't comply. So different sections of the Shipping Act. So these different sections are the general prohibition section of the Shipping Act, which is 46 USC 41102 and 41104A, which is common carriers and their general requirements. So law enforcement investigation by the FMC that can result in a refund of any money paid if the charge doesn't comply with these sections of the Shipping Act. So these charge complaints can also result in civil penalties assessed on the common carrier by the FMC. So what are these sections? What is 41102, the general prohibitions of the Shipping Act, and 41104, the section talking about common carriers and general requirements? I'm glad you asked. I'll break it down. (laughs) So these include obtaining transportation at less than applicable rates. So this is the general prohibitions of the Shipping Act. This is 41102. So if any of these things that I'm about to list um, are found to be violated, any charges associated with these violations, if you've already paid for them, or, um, or like I said, it could be a civil penalty. So, so listen while I, while I go over what general prohibitions of the Shipping Act are. So these general prohibitions include obtaining transportation at less than applicable rates, operating contrary to an agreement, practices in handling property, which includes failing to establish, observe, and enforce just and reasonable regulations and practices, related to or connected with receiving, handling, storing, or delivering property, retaliation, and other discriminatory actions. And that's actually the FMC is charged with doing a rulemaking on that later. So that last part, retaliation or other discriminatory actions. There's going to be some clarity coming out. The FMC through OSRA 22 was charged with doing a rulemaking and clarifying that section. So the other section, 41104A. This is the common carrier's general requirements. Look, this is a pretty big section. So I'm just going to hit the highlights here. But in general, a common carrier, either alone or in conjunction with any person directly or indirectly, shall not. So this is a list of a common carrier shall not allow a person to obtain transportation for property at less than the rates or charges established by the carrier in its tariff or service contract. Provide service in the liner trade that is not in accordance with the rates, charges, classifications, rules, and practices contained in the tariff or service contract, or under a tariff or service contract that has been actually suspended or prohibited by the FMC. Um, Continuing on, um, a common carrier shall not unreasonably refuse cargo space accommodations when available or resort to other unfair or unjustly discriminatory methods. That's going to be another rulemaking that the FMC is going to be clearing up. Um, Continuing, for service pursuant to a tariff, engage in any unfair or unjustly discriminatory practice in the matter of rates or charges, cargo classifications, 
cargo space accommodations or other facilities uh, with due regard being given to the proper loading of the vessel or loading and landing of freight. So remember, these are unfair or unjustly discriminatory practices that a common carrier shall not do. Adjustment and settlement of claims for service pursuant to a service contract, engage in any unfair or unjustly discriminatory practice against any commodity group or any type of shipment or in the matter of rates and charges with respect to any port. I mean, you're hearing unfair come up a lot, unfair or unjust. It really is the 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 guiding light that the FMC moves by. It needs to be fair and efficient. That's their mission, fair and efficient movement of goods. Um, so continuing on here, remember these are unfair or unjustly discriminatory practices that the common carrier shall not do. Use a vessel in a particular trade for the purpose of excluding, preventing, or reducing competition by driving another ocean common carrier out of that trade. I mean, are you listening to these? These are a lot. Um, Offer to pay any deferred rebates or for service pursuant to a tariff, give any undue or unreasonable preference or advantage or impose any undue or unreasonable prejudice or disadvantage. We're almost done here, I promise. For service pursuant to a service contract, give any undue or unreasonable preference or advantage to oppose any to impose any undue or unreasonable prejudice or disadvantage with respect to any port. Unreasonably refuse to deal or negotiate, including vessel space accommodations. Knowingly and willfully accept cargo from or transport cargo for the account of an NVOCC, a non-vessel operating common carrier, that does not have a tariff as required by Section 40501, so another section of the Shipping Act, or an OTI, an Ocean Transportation Intermediary, that does not have a bond, insurance, or other surety. So if you're working with an NVO or an OTI, if a common carrier is working with those and they know they don't have a tariff or a license or they're not part or, or um, a tariff or a bond or any of these requirements, uh, they can get in trouble for that too. Continuing on, we're almost done. <laughs> Knowingly and willfully entering into a service contract with an OTI that does not have a tariff as required and a bond, insurance, or other surety, or with an affiliate of the OTI. Continue to participate simultaneously in a rate discussion agreement and an agreement to share vessels in the same trade if the interplay of the authorities exercised by the agreement is likely by a reduction of competition to produce an unreasonable reduction in transportation service or an unreasonable increase in transportation costs. Let's read that one again. So what we're doing here, we're going over, these are in general, a common carrier shall not continue to participate simultaneously in a rate discussion agreement and an agreement to share vessels in the same trade if the interplay of the authorities exercised by the agreement is likely by a reduction in competition to produce unreasonable reduction in transport services or unreasonably increase transport costs. So I just want to stop there real quick. Most of the alliances are not actually rate discussions. Um, and this is, you know, I and I think that it, this is an and that connects. So it's a rate discussion and vessel sharing. Um, Vessel sharing, sure, that's that's arguably what the alliances are. They're, they're vessel sharing agreements um, plus some. But they don't necessarily have the rate discussions. And that's that's worth keeping an eye on because should rate discussions be found in these alliances? They're not allowed to, but should they be found? I mean, it's a direct violation of what common carriers are not allowed to do under the Shipping Act. So continuing on, a common carrier shall not 
assess any party for a charge that is inconsistent or does not comply with all applicable provisions and regulations of the Shipping Act. So a nice catch all um, shall not invoice any party for deter demerge or detention charges unless the invoice includes information as described. This is where the new OSRA language went. This is where the new detention and demerge invoice um, piece went. Um, and so also uh, they cannot for service pursuant to a service contract give any undue or unreasonable preference or advantage or impose any undue or unreasonable prejudice or disadvantage against any commodity group or type of shipment. That's a lot. That's a lot of shall nots for common carriers. Um, what do you think? Do you think they comply with all of that? Remember, this is charge complaints we're talking about. This isn't even, this was just already on the books. This is what common carriers are not allowed to do. And if you find that they're doing any of this stuff, I mean, send a little note over to your area rep. Send a note over to BOE, uh, the Bureau of Enforcement at the FMC. That's where they take the, the, the complaint and they go look it up themselves. But look, now you have a mechanism to do that yourself and have a little bit of a say in the process. So file that charge complaint. This is your moment. It's a little less intense, so to speak, than a full complaint. You know, it's supposed to be quicker. It's supposed to be law enforcement, you know, not a full legal review. So now comes, you know, how do you charge, how do you file a charge complaint? I'm glad you're interested and I'm glad you asked. <laughs> so in order to file a charge complaint, the FMC requests the following steps. So first, identify the common carrier. Who's the who's the common carrier that, that you have the grievance against here? Who do you think is, is charging you and you have a complaint against it? Um, identify the specific alleged violation of all of those sections that I just mentioned. So that's um, Shipping Act, that's 46 USC, sections 41102 and or 41104A. So remember, general prohibitions and the common carrier's requirements. Um, so you have to identify the specific alleged violation. Um, there could be a few. You could put it out there if, if you think that there's a few. Um, so next you gather and submit your supporting documentation as appropriate, which should include obviously the invoice, um, bill of lading numbers, if you have those, and you know evidence of whether the charge or charges have been paid. Because if you're going to get refunded for it, you have to show that you actually paid it. Um, you know, the FMC also wants you to actually confirm that the disputed charge was incurred on or after the enactment of OSRA 22. So that was June 16th. So the reason for this is a charge complaint is a new mechanism for law enforcement that the FMC has. So prior to June 16th, they didn't have charge complaints as, an, as a viable option. So now June 16th, the FMC can have this law enforcement mechanism that is the charge complaint. So once you pulled all of this together, you submit all these relevant materials in one email, if possible, if you can just attach it all to one email, send it over to, and they created a specific email for this, chargecomplaints at fmc.gov. How easy, right? How great. They, they set it up so you can just send it right over. At some point, maybe they'll have a web link. I'm not sure, but chargecomplaints at fmc.gov. Um, you know, if you want any of this information, the FMC has it right on their website. I'm going to put it, um, I have a post on LinkedIn about it, um, but you know, th this is just if you want any of this information, um, it's it's readily available. But this was an industry announcement that came out yesterday. So, you know, this is really important. It's really important to understand that charge complaints filed with the FMC initiate investigations for law enforcement purposes. So for a more formal resolution, when you want to get an attorney involved, when you want to start doing 
um, that sort of thing. And it's it's a it's a delicate balance here. And I just want to kind of highlight it on a high level. Um, but for the more formal resolution, the FMC is actually reminding filers that formal or informal complaints can still be filed, um, as well as you have an option of an alternative dispute resolution, uh, which could be mediation through the FMC's Office of Consumer Affairs and Dispute Resolution. So we went over how to file a complaint a few weeks ago. You know, we walked through the FMC's webinar. They, the FMC actually put out a webinar. It's on their website of how to file a complaint at the FMC. They break it down. I break it down a little bit further in my podcast. Go check out the podcast episode on demand to hear more about how to file a complaint. So that's it. This is all pretty exciting. Look, we're moving forward. Um, I, I've said it once. I've, I'll say it a million times. The FMC isn't super fast, but they are very purposeful. And the FMC, I mean, this is pretty quick. This is less than a month. I mean, just under one day of less than a month. Uh, but this is less than a month since the FMC was given this directive, this this charge complaints. June 16th was when the law came out, Osra 22. You know, the FMC is still doing their own due diligence and investigating tips they receive through the Bureau of Enforcement at the FMC and through their area representatives. Um, I talked a little bit about area representatives last week, but basically what they are is just that, representatives from the FMC that are a little closer to the action. They're a little closer to the industry. Um, They have them all over the country. They have Florida, they have New York, they have LA Long Beach. Um, You know, obviously they hit the major areas, but there's five or six of them. They're they're kind of all over. Um, So, you know, if, if you have something that you... Maybe you don't want to go charge complaint. Maybe you want to send it over just to the area rep, let them know. You can do that. Otherwise, charge complaint, this is a fun new option. Um, you know, it's it's interesting. It's something that you can do to, to really try to help clean up the industry. Um, you know, this gives the filer an opportunity to recoup that money that you paid when you feel like you were you wrongly paid. Um, the FMC is just getting started. Look, I expect their first rulemaking out actually probably next week. I was thinking maybe today, you know, this was, I think, technically today or tomorrow is their 30 day window. Um, Like I said, June 16th for they had to put out a rulemaking by 30 days, um, not later than 30 days. Who knows? Maybe maybe as I'm speaking right now, they're releasing their rulemaking. Um, But this first rulemaking that I'm expecting is the unreasonable refusal to deal. So we discussed all the rulemakings. Um, that are actually on deck for the FMC. But remember, this is the rulemaking on unreasonable refusal to deal or negotiate with respect to vessel space. So this is section 41104A that we just talked about that is part of the charge complaints. This is one of those sections. This is section 10 there. Um, so not later, this the, the unreasonable refusal to deal. So what the FMC was charged with is not later than 30 days after the date of the enactment of the act. So OSRA 22, the FMC in consultation with the Coast Guard is supposed to initiate a rulemaking defining unreasonable refusal to deal or negotiate with respect to vessel space. Um, the FMC has to has to finalize the rule not later than six months after the date of this enactment. I think that we will probably see an advance notice of proposed rulemaking where they kind of poll the industry, unless they already have some, some good ideas, and then they'll go to a notice of proposed rulemaking. Either way, there is a comment period associated with this, or there likely will be. There, it's pretty high justification when they wouldn't be, this is going to be contentious enough that there, I would expect that there would have to be a comment period here. So what you can do, get your thoughts together. You know, this is coming out today, tomorrow, next week. Um, I mean, tomorrow being a Saturday, who knows, Uh, maybe late tonight, but this rulemaking on unreasonable refusal to deal, get ready for it. Um, It's especially if they have to finalize the whole thing in six months, they're going to have to move quick. And so having 30 days open is a lot of time to just be sitting there 
Maybe it's going to be 60 days, but I guess it's going to be 30 days. So get your thoughts together. If you're an association, pull your members, start working on all of this. You know, this is going to move quick. Um, we're getting there, folks. Keep the faith. Stay engaged. The FMC is providing the mechanism. Now we, as the industry, need to use them. So that's it. That's that's today. As always, the guidance here is general and for educational purposes. It should not be construed to be legal advice directly related to your matter. If you need an attorney, contact an attorney. But if you do have specific legal questions, feel free to reach out to me at my legal company, Squall Strategies. Otherwise, for the non-legal questions, for the e-learning, for general industry information and insights, come find me at the Maritime Professor. If you like these videos, let me know. Comment, like, and share. If you want to listen to these episodes on demand or if you missed any previous episodes, go check them out on my podcast by Land and by Sea, wherever you listen to your podcasts. If you prefer to see the videos, maybe you just want to see me. They live on YouTube on my YouTube page by Land and by Sea, presented by the Maritime Professor. And while you're at it, make sure to check out our website, themaritimeprofessor.com. So until next week, this is Lauren Began, the Maritime Professor, and you've just listened to By Land and by Sea. See you next time.